Today we're going to continue on our uh, part two in our King Saul series on wasted potential. And we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 9, 10, and 11. If you want to turn there, uh, we're going to really go kind of verse by verse, skip through these couple chapters, and it'll really be helpful uh, for you if you uh, follow along either on your phone or uh, there may be a, a Bible in front of you. It also will be on the screen as well. We're going to see Saul in this chapter, and uh, we're going to see how he is a different person than the weatherman that we saw thrust himself through in the battlefield. We see a young Saul, a simple man, humble, and he sought after God's help. See, although Saul was a talented and a handsome and well-built young man, he was still just the son to his father, Kish. Kish never planned on Saul becoming king. Kish didn't uh, encourage Saul to run for office or think of him as doing anything else except for working the family business. And he even gave Saul simple jobs like going and finding some donkeys that had gotten lost, gotten out of their pen. But even in the seemingly small matters of lost donkeys, Saul sought out the prophet Samuel to help discern what God would have him to do. He asks for help. The prophet Samuel tells uh, Saul not to worry. The donkeys have been found, and that's where we're going to pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 20. Samuel says, As for your donkeys that were lost three days ago, do not set your mind on them, for they have been found. And for whom is all that is desirable in Israel? Is it not for you and for all your father's house? Samuel says, just like you were searching for those donkeys, all of Israel has been searching for you. Saul looks to the left, looks to the right, and he's like, what, me? Why would Israel be searching for me? Saul answered in verse 21. He said, I, uh, am I not a Benjamite from the least of the tribes of Israel? Is not my clan the humblest of all the clans of the tribe of Benjamin? Why then have you spoken to me in this way? Why is anyone looking for me? My tribe is the smallest, the most insignificant, and my family is the least of all. What are you talking about? Why would Israel look for me? Samuel says, walk with me. I need to talk to you. Verse 27 says, as they were going down to the outskirts of the city, Samuel said to Saul, tell the servant to pass on before us. And when he had passed on, stop here yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of God. Saul's confused. He's like, are we still talking about the donkeys here, right? That's why I came to talk to you. What, you're telling me all this crazy stuff. And then he does something even more bizarre. 1 Samuel 10.1 says, then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, is it not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance? Samuel tells Saul that God chose him to be king of Israel. And he anointed his head with oil and he sent him on his way. And Samuel told Saul where to go next. He told him to go to a place called Gabith Elohim, which means the hill of God. 
Samuel told Saul that he would find a group of preachers there coming from that hill, singing and playing instruments and preaching. In verse 6, Samuel tells Saul, Then the Spirit of the Lord will rush upon you, and you will prophesy with them and be turned into another man. God was doing big things in Saul's life. He was blindsided. He was uh, to find these prophets and to start preaching through the Spirit of God. And God was going to turn him into a new man. Verse 9 says, When he turned his back to leave Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all these signs came to pass that day. Saul left a changed man. He went just to find some donkeys, and God sent him away a different person. God turned this simple farmer into a preaching king, and Saul left with a brand new heart. Man, what a privilege to be chosen of God to lead his people. Saul preached that message with the prophets, and people began talking about him. It got around, and they're like, who is this guy? Is he like a prophet himself now? Where did he come from? And Saul leaves the hill of God dumbfounded. And he finally finds himself back home confused. And he's asked by his uncle what had happened in verse 15 of chapter 10. And Saul's uncle said, please tell me what Samuel said to you. And Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys have been found. But about the matter of the kingdom of which Saul had spoken, he did not tell him anything. Talk about leaving the best part out, right? Saul tells his uncle he found the donkeys, but he doesn't tell him about Samuel saying he would be the next king or even about this fact that he had just preached with a bunch of people. And next, Samuel calls all the country together and he says, hey, you guys remember when God brought you out of Egypt? And how God fed you in the wilderness and God did these miraculous things. How he gave you all this land that you now inhabit and he helped you defeat all the enemies to give you the promised land. You remember all these wonderful, amazing things God has done for you. In verse 19, it says this. He says, but today you have rejected your God who saves you from all your calamities and your distresses. And you have said to him, Set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. See, the problem is, is God's plan was for him to be king over Israel. But they wanted a human king. They wanted a king like all the rest of the other nations so that they could sit him on a throne and they could throw him parades and they could stamp his face on a coin. They wanted to be like the nations around them. Verse 21. And Samuel brought the tribe of Benjamin near by its clan, and the clan of the Matrites was taken by Lot, and Saul's son of Kish was taken by Lot. But when they sought him, he could not be found. So they inquired again of the Lord, is there a man still to come? And the Lord said, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. Other versions say stuff. Talk about awkward. Samuel's trying to introduce this new king and... Uh, they can't find him. The guy, this guy Saul is hiding behind a pile of baggage. They drag Saul out from behind all that stuff, stand before the people. And Samuel says, 
Here is your king. This is the king you ask for. Here he is. The people all cheered, God save the king. Got long live the king. But then Samuel warned them in verse 12. He said, you demand it. No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. And now behold, the king you have chosen for whom you have asked. Behold, the Lord has set a king over you. You said you wanted a king. God gave you a king. He said, if you will fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and not rebel against his commandments of the Lord, and if you both, you and the king who reigns over you, will follow the Lord your God, then it will be well. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you and your See, even after Israel had turned their backs on God and begged for their own king, God still gave them chances to do what was right and to be blessed. And next we see God's warning to them in verse uh, 24, chapter 12. He says, only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. Man, isn't that an awesome verse? It'd be a great life verse, right? And you would think that Saul would allow these words to ring into his head over and over and over again. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. God brought Saul from absolutely nothing and made him king. How great things he did for Saul. And things went pretty well for Saul for a little while, for the first couple of years. He stayed humble. He tried to follow God. King Saul and his son Jonathan even had a great defeat of a Philistine fort that was dangerously close to the people. But things turned sour very quickly after that. The Philistines were not happy that the Israelites were attacking their fortress, and 36,000 Philistine show up to fight 3,000 Israelites. The Bible describes these Philistines as the sand of the sea. Verse 6 of chapter 13 says, When the men of Israel saw that they were in trouble, that's an understatement, right? There's 36,000 people that are trying to knock down your door. It says, For the people were hard-pressed. The people hid themselves in caves and in holes, and in rocks, and in tombs, and in cisterns. They're hiding all over the place because of all these people. Saul knew he was in trouble. Saul knew he needed God's help. So Saul called for the prophet Samuel so that Samuel could offer a burnt offering to God to ask God what they should do to make sure that God was on their side. But Samuel didn't come. They waited seven long days for Samuel to come, but he didn't. The people are hiding in wells and in holes and they're trembling and they're really getting scared. The people are starting to lose faith in their new king. They thought this guy would solve all their problems and now it looks like he's going to get them all killed. You can picture King Saul giving them a pep talk on day one. Listen, guys, I know things look bad and I know we're outnumbered, but as soon as the prophet Samuel gets here, he's going to offer the burnt offering and then we're going to go out and we're going to whip these guys by God's power. But as the days pass and the fear sets in, Samuel doesn't show up, 
The people are getting restless. And finally, Saul says on the seventh day, he says, bring me the offering. I'll just do it. Saul says, come here, bring it to me and I'll do it. If Samuel's not going to show up, I'll just do it. But this is direct disobedience to God. Only the priest could offer the burnt offering. He was a king. He wasn't a priest. God did not tell him to do that. So there's not much more dangerous than a leader motivated by fear. A quote from Trapp about Paul, uh, excuse me, Saul. I get that mixed up like every single time. So if you hear that, just ignore it. Give me some grace there. <laughs> Here we go. This quote about Saul in this situation, he says, clearly out of fear and out of panic, out of not knowing what else to do, Saul does something sinful. If Saul was among the prophets before, will he now be among the priests? Can there be any devotion in disobedience? O vain man, what can it avail to sacrifice to God against God? It's ironic that Saul disobeys God to try and obey God. He tries to do the right thing, but he does it in the wrong way. And in reality, what we see is that Saul has changed so much over the last few years. He went from a guy that thought he was unworthy to be king to a guy that thinks he should be able to do the job of the priest now too. He goes from a guy hiding because he felt unworthy to take the job he was given by God to a guy that steps into a role that was only meant to be for Samuel. And he says, I can handle that. See, pride is a dangerous thing that has severe consequences. Samuel shows up right after Saul is done with the offering. If only Saul would have trusted God for just one more hour. That's exactly how it is in our lives too, right? The last moments of waiting are usually the most difficult, and they tempt us to take matters into our own hands. Samuel shows up and says, what did you do? What have you gotten yourself into? Why have you done this? And Saul says, the people were scared, so I had to get them to believe in me somehow, so I forced myself to do the burnt offering. He blames the people on it. I know it wasn't right, but I had to do something, Saul says. Verse 12 of chapter 13. I said, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal, and I have not sought the favor of the Lord. So I forced myself, and I offered the burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For then the Lord would have established your kingdom of, over Israel forever, but now your kingdom shall not continue. And now the Lord has sought out a, a man, another man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be the prince over his people. But you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. And just like that, Saul was disqualified from being king. See, King Saul really only had one thing that he needed to remember. We saw that in verse 24, chapter 12. Only, 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 only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. For consider what great things 
he has done for you. Saul, remember who you are. Saul, remember where you came from. Saul, just pay attention to the fact that God has done so many things for you. And instead, you fear the people rather than fearing God. You're afraid of what's going to happen to you physically, but you don't understand what's happening to you spiritually. Saul didn't fear God, and Saul didn't serve him with all his heart. And Saul got scared that the the people weren't following him. And he didn't wait on God. He thought he could take matters into his own hands. And he forgot where he came from, and that he was just a simple farmer, that God chose to do something great. But he let it all go to his head. Sounds kind of familiar to me, because Saul looks a lot like me. When we panic... We sin. When we don't wait on God, we sin. And when we think we can handle things on our own, we sin. When we let pride creep into our lives, things get scary. Saul went from a guy that couldn't find his own donkeys to a guy that thought he could disobey God and that God would still bless him. He went from a guy hiding in a crowd to a guy that needed to prove to everyone that he was in control and that he had things handled. See, insecurity can cause us to make some dumb decisions. And many times pride is just us trying to hide our insecurity. But see, you shouldn't find your security in your talent or in what you have produced or in your own righteousness. You should find your security solely in the fact that you are relentlessly loved by God. But Saul let the fact that he was the chosen one go to his head. He thought he meant, it meant that he was something great. See, it's a great privilege and responsibility when God chooses you to be used. But don't forget that God doesn't choose us because we are great. God chooses us so that when the world sees him use us, the world knows that he is great. Don't be like Saul. Stay humble. Know your position before God is simply a sinner saved by the grace of God and loved abundantly by Him. And anything that you are able to accomplish comes straight from God. Wait on God. Don't take matters into your own hands. Don't jump before God says to move. Remember, this is all a study and a a lesson on how not to waste our God-given potential because Saul was set up so well to succeed, but then he allowed himself to get in front of what God wanted him to do. And he made a mistake. Students, this is an awesome time for you to learn a lesson like this. Stay humble. Don't be like Saul. Know the position that you have before God is simply a sinner saved by grace and anything that you are able to do in your life is coming straight from God and wait on God. Don't take matters into your own hands. You might say here today, but I don't have any idea what God wants me to do with my life. I don't know what I'm supposed to do in five years. Well, don't worry about that. Don't take matters into your own hands. God has something 
beautiful for you if only you will wait. Maybe you know you are called to some area to do something, the job that you have or the talents that you have. Got to remember to stay humble and remember that the greatness rests on the one that does the calling, not on the one who is called. Remember who you are. Remember on your own, you can't even find your own donkeys. Maybe you feel unworthy of a call that God's placed on your life and he's asked you to do something. You feel unworthy and here's some groundbreaking truth. You are unworthy. So am I. But God is so awesome that he can use us anyway. So stop worrying about how little talent you have or charisma you possess and remember how big God is. Saul had so much potential, but he took matters into his own hands. Let us remember as well that the last moments of waiting are usually the most difficult and they tempt us the most to take matters into our own hands. So just hold on. Wait on God. Don't jump the gun. Because when we panic, we sin. When we don't wait on God, we sin. And when we think we can handle things on our own, we sin. We each, each and every one of you here today has amazing potential to change the world by God's power. But don't forget that God doesn't choose us because we are great. God chooses us so that when the world sees him use us, that the world will know that he is great. With every head's bowed and eyes closed this morning. This is a cautionary tale. The life of Saul. You might say, well, I would never, I would never do what Saul did. Saul is just, obviously, he just made some bad choices and I would never make those choices. How many days do you go without asking God? to lead you and guide you, direct you? How many times do you jump, do you make a decision without saying, God, what do you want me to do? And many times the answers are in God's word. You don't have to ask God whether you should love your neighbor or whether you should turn the other cheek or forgive or to let go of your bitterness. God's outlined that completely in his word. He already said it. He didn't need to say it again. How many days do we go by without asking for God to guide us and lead us and direct us? The thing that keeps us from praying and, and reaching out to God, the thing that keeps us from our Bible, ultimately is pride. We think we can do it on our own. We might not say that out loud. Church people don't say those kind of things. But we do it. We act it out. I don't have time to do those things today. There was once a great man that says, I don't have time not to spend time with God. Don't be like Saul. Remember where you came from. Only serve the Lord and fear Him 
For consider how great things he has done for you. Let's take a few moments with head bowed and eyes closed to consider where God has brought us from. Consider who you were without him. Consider how he's taken your talents and allowed them to be used. Not that long ago, you were that person hiding behind some stuff, scared to take the next step. Not that long ago, you were wandering around the desert looking for your donkeys. Don't get ahead of God. Don't make those decisions, take those steps that God's reserved for him to make those decisions. Let's spend some time in prayer. Consider what God has done for us.